We're cheating. <laughs> Pork chop. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Uh, I can hear it. Last bite. Last bite. I promise. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, please, please eat during the pod so we can call you out on it. Let's start now. Start now. Okay, let's do a little level check there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> are you recording? Oh, it's gross, right? Recording. It's gross. No forgiveness. Who has the last bite now? <laughs> oh my God. I almost fell backwards. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, the Online Streaming Act isn't here to destroy YouTube, but it could be significant if we ever actually find out what it's all about. We review and recommendish Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Jonathan Groff has joined the cast of Doctor Who. The Pixies are sorry for shutting off your alarm clock. <laughs> and the Writers Guild of America strike is going to be on our pod a lot for the next little while. Kirsten, what was that? What was that? Everyone else did it, and my line was gonna be for a little while. <laughs> Nerdy is the new sexy. Let's go to big The Zones Geek Out, the podcast. It's the Zones Geek Out podcast. This is episode two hundred and thirty-nine. We record this Tuesday, May 9th, twenty twenty-three. I'm Webmeister Bud. I host Bud's Weekly Geek Out Wednesdays at seven twenty with Dylan and Jason, or Paul and Jenny, in the morning zone. And this Thursday, I'll be part of the mixtape live as DJ Geek Out with DJ Boy Tano. Hey! Hey! Is this gonna be hey. out by Thursday? Paul's doing morning shows. Yeah. Oh yeah, then it should be. Are you thinking an old fashioned? What was that? Oh no, it's 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 a fancy glass. It's just iced tea. I like this glass. It's uh, I don't know, Crown Royal, which I guess is a liquor, right? Oh Oh, my god! But it's just like it's. Bud's taken to drinking before this mixtape. It's stressed him out. (laughs) I I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if. If teetotalers should be allowed to drink in a nice crystal uh, highball glasses like that, it, it, it does throw me for sure. Like, you don't want the booze and you don't get the nice glass, I feel like. The crystal like, police no, over here. It's so pretty. Like, there's a little crown on it and stuff. Like, these were the ones with the purple bag, right? Yes. Yeah, purple bag. Is it yeah. heavy, bud? Yeah, it's heavy. That's why I like mm. it. Like, our other glasses are really thin and... Art, right, say your thing. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Art Aronson, uh, retired broadcaster, stormtrooper for the government, although didn't feel like quite the stormtrooper today. Oh, really? Um, what's the step up from stormtrooper? He's like, what's the what's uh, the clone that's above the stormtrooper? Captain Phasma. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably Captain. I don't think you were quite at Phasma levels. No, you're not. Oh, snow, level. snow trooper, maybe? Snow trooper? Like a, I was going to say snow trooper, or like a sand trooper. The bike troopers, like actually, planet. from Return of the Jedi. Infantry, right? Mm. They're all at the same level. Though. Yeah, at least you get a vehicle at that point. Just as useless, though. Hey, he's always getting away, you know, and then they all explode on the bikes. The reason I feel that way is because there was a big event at the BC legislature today that I pretty much did all the comms work for, and it went off really well, and CBC let it off their 530 with it. So that's a win in my business. That's a shout out. I haven't heard about it. What is it? myself. The Haida recognition legislation that passed in the house. Oh, that's not the museum. So are the opposite of the museum above a trooper. You could be a corporal sergeant squad leader or chief that comes with the black, the white, the orange or the red pauldrons, which we've seen before. Oh, yeah. OK, I'll take the black. Thank you. Perfect. You yeah. will be a corporal. Yeah. 
Corporal, Corporal Aronson. Right. Moving on up. Love to see you, buddy. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. I'm uh, DJ Boitano. I feel like General Hux today. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do the uh, the uh, weekday wind down and the mixtape in the afternoon zone. And yeah, I will be with Bud on Thursday at the Capitol Ballroom doing stuff. Yeah. I got to get my ticket. Uh, you can be my plus one by the looks of it. Uh, my name is Paul Blastino, and I host the Afternoon Zone, and I will be raging at the Capitol Ballroom on Thursday uh, with uh, them too. And I can't wait. I'll be exhausted because we're filling in for the morning show and everything. But uh, yeah, really excited to come rage with y'all. Uh, get it raging. Can't wait. Yeah, and I don't know why it's bothering me, but I feel like you can't drink out of an ice glass unless there's <laughs> booze in it. Oh, my God. We're still here? Okay, I, it's well, done. I, I'm empty. I will now switch to my like, Yeti water container. You gotta is that earn. Better? You gotta earn the crystal. I feel like by damaging your liver, and you know, being a big grown up with the booze. What's What's weirder? Is it weirder to drink out of like a Crown Royal glass with iced tea, or is it weirder to drink Crown Royal out of like one of those Bunnykins mugs? <laughs> Both. So inappropriate, the, yeah. Right, like really, the, the 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 glass demands its own beverage. This glass was lovingly crafted for a specific drink, Bunnykins. Uh, I don't know what what is that for? Like flavored milk. <laughs> now, if he's feeding it with uh, you know the fancy tub of ice again. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry, bud. I know you're not a drinker and the rest of us are here, but Kirsten, well, weigh in on this. i drinking for this reason then. Oh, yeah. This is what's going to do it to you <laughs> in your late podcast. 70s. For the podcast. Nothing to do with Paul. <laughs> Just yeah. so you can drink out of the fancy class. Not bloody likely. I'm Kirsten James. This week on Buzz Weekly Geek Out. Oh. A boring sounding but highly important uh, podcast or podcast uh, show geek out about Bill C-11, also known as the Online Streaming Act. I'm not going to get into it here because it was a long show and there's a lot to go into about it. But uh, I will summarize as best I can that Canada would like the big curated streamers like Netflix and Disney Plus and Prime Video to, quote, prioritize the needs and interests of Canadians, end quote, with respect to internet video and digital media. And they'd somehow also like user-generated platforms like YouTube and TikTok to do the same thing. It sounds like CanCon for the internet. I wish them luck enforcing this. I feel like they've been working on this for a while, haven't they? And they've been trying. They've been working to get... on this for way too. Mm-hmm. This started, I think, before the Stephen Harper government. You yeah. know, wow. it was gone. It's gone through a number of different names, a number of different, you know, iterations. But yeah, they've been trying for a while, which is funny because we have almost no idea of the specifics of any of it. We don't know what counts as CanCon. We don't know who's going to be affected. We don't know what the prioritizing means. We we don't know if this is financial support or content support. We don't know if this will improve discoverability. We don't know if this will affect people outside of Canada. It's the biggest, weirdest mystery for a law that has already been passed. Oh, So, yeah. Frustrating be- and confusing, but important. Because it's not without some merit that these big companies who operate freely in Canada and take all our subscription money 
you know, um, scoop it all back to the to mostly, I guess, the U.S. It, it's not totally unreasonable that at least on some kind of financial level that they maybe should be made to pitch in towards like Canadian content funds, and so that when the next Shit's Creek or Kim's Convenience, you know, wants to get green lit over at the CBC or whatever, or in partnership with Netflix, whatever it is, that there is a bit of a fund to help kickstart get off the ground those shows right like one would hope mm-hmm. absolutely you know again it's just enforcement and it's like if canada does it then what who who is going to ask next right unintended well, consequences too that could come from it oh like what yeah well, I mean, with CanCon, there's unintended consequences, don't you think? Too much Brian Adams, yes. Yeah, there's. <laughs> yeah, I maybe they, Brian Adams maybe they won't do as much business in Canada. You know, like maybe they'll restrict the content in Canadian um, spaces. I brought up this exact possibility yeah. um, because Australia did a thing where this is now this is a different bill, Bill C18, where they were like, "Okay, Facebook and Google, you giant corporations, you're using Australian news sources as part of your content, so pay uh, pay us, pay these little outlets uh, some some money uh, because you're it's it's part of your content and it's bringing people to your ad dollars." And Facebook was like, "Okay, no news for Australia." Yeah. And they cut off all the news feeds in Australia and they they restricted uh, you couldn't share uh, any news from Australia to the rest of the world yeah. um as like a whiny foot-stomping protest. Yeah. Um, you know, and eventually they backed off. Um The news but- one doesn't make any sense to me because that seems a lot harder to police cuz that's like literally like you can't post a link like nobody not even news sites Mm -hmm. it's like you art can't post a link to the thing that you did today that's the on the front of the cbc you can't put that on facebook sorry like the news one is weird to me the the one that's for the streamers for the tv shows and for spotify and cancon i feel like they should have to abide by the same rules if they're operating in canada because it's not fair to like networks like the CBC mm-hmm. that the CBC has to do CanCon rules. And then people are like, well, I don't want to pay for CBC. There's nothing on there. I'm just going to pay for Netflix because there's no Netflix can have whatever the fuck they want. They don't have to worry about CanCon. And that's what we're going to be talking about, too, with regards to the writer's strike is that with the rise of streaming comes then uh, an evolution that might need to take place because network television has to abide by. Uh, Canadian content rules here in Canada. Um, And that has, you know, that has also helped, you know, helped careers and helped uh, a lot of Canadian, um, you know, actors, filmmakers, uh, producers, writers, all these, you know, uh, people. And then obviously, you know, we, and we can talk about music as well. Right. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. helped a lot of, you know, musicians in Canada as well. Um, but when we get to now streaming, it's a bit of a wild west because there we haven't really. This is sort of new territory, so it's just. I think it's just a natural evolution, as we'll probably discuss with regards to the writer strike. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. it's stuff that just needs to be figured out for right now. The news one with Facebook, that's kind of a no brainer for Facebook because all Facebook does all day long is get dragged for being this horrible, divisive place, and. And news is one of the big ways that that, you know, narrative progresses is that people share news, your crazy uncle shares a news thing, and then people fight about it constantly. And it's like Facebook doesn't really want to be doing 
news anyways. They don't want to be in the news distribution business so much as much as it may, you know, um, decently attract eyeballs and attention. They would rather go back to a little bit more of like a, a more fun model. They're trying to be more like TikTok and, and Instagram and things like that, trying to like put that genie back in the bottle a little bit. So it doesn't make, you know, it makes perfect sense for Facebook to be like, Oh, what? This is going to cost us a bunch of money? Okay, great. We just won't do it because we don't want it, we don't want it anyways. We're not going to pay money for something we don't want to have happening on our platform in the first place. So that makes some but sense. But then Google did the same thing for Canada when we asked for that. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a tougher one. As far as the CanCon money goes, let me just... It feels like whatever is happening now, and I agree that you know we need to do some massaging and some evolution, but something's working, you know? I, I feel like in the last bunch of years, between Schitt's Creek, Letterkenny, uh, Kim's Convenience, you can t- point to it as a success story, yes. and there are others certainly on the streamers, but like something is working where these talented Canadians with stories to tell and, and fun content to make is getting made. It mm-hmm. is getting made, and I mean, in the case of Letterkenny, that's purely on the streamers like that that's not just you know in collaboration with cbc that's just a deal with crave tv right that's just for streaming just an online show and there are others like it so so something's going right i don't know what that is and how it's being supported but something's going okay here it's a very interesting issue and i look forward to the conversations that will undoubtedly continue to happen with it Coming soon! Dune Part 2. Sorry, Dune colon Part 2. The trailer, <laughs> like a full-on trailer uh, for this movie, which will be in theaters November 2nd. Very orange again. But yeah. now we get basically the second sort of half of Frank Herbert's initial vision, and and worm surfing. Boy, we spent a lot of time Yay. on worm surfing in this trailer. Hey, Kirsten, Kirsten. Uh, mm. Ask me if I like <laughs> ask me if I like Dune 2. <laughs> oh yeah. Paul, do you like Dune 2? <laughs> yeah, I like Dune 2. <laughs> Dune 2 girls at once. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Can we That's it. That's all you get. That's all you get. <laughs> I wondered, I wondered how you're going to finish that. I wasn't expecting that. Well, Thank you. We're back. We're back, baby. We're back not back. To we're the back. Dune. We're gone. We're done. Back to Dune jokes. <laughs> the horse is already oh, beaten to death. I missed it stop so it. much. I was, I'm Kirsten, excited about the movie. Movie don't looks any of us good, but again by asking I, that question. I think, uh, Art, I'm coming to you next week when we talk about <laughs> no, Dune again. Dune 2. Uh, I'll have another one at that point. Okay, good. <laughs> I really like the uh, who sent the, who who have you sent that uh, the Onion article where the headline reads like Dune Two picks up exactly where you fell asleep in Dune One. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. <laughs> that was so good. It Thank also you, made me think, but I feel like I liked the first part. But, you loved the first part. But did I fall asleep? Yeah. I might have fallen asleep, too. You can still, like, yeah. like it and oh, fall geez. asleep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we all fell asleep, but woke up and we're like, <laughs> masterpiece. Villeneuve. Villeneuve. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Right? Yeah. But it, it was for sure an achievement. That movie was great. Yeah, absolutely. 
And would you say the second part is more action-packed or less action-packed than the first, would we say? For those who oh, know the story. I mean, based on the plot, I'd say it's definitely going to be more action-packed. Okay, great. Um, just yeah. based on what is slated to happen, depending on rights and rewrites and things, um, or you know, changes from the book. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I know a big criticism of the first one was Zendaya was in it for like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably going to have a bigger part in the second. Oh, it should be think. huge. But but the the yeah. criticism come from they really leaned on her. The you marketing. know, Zendaya, yeah, yeah, is one of the hottest stars in the world, and they leaned hard on the marketing. Yeah, and she a, shows up in ten seconds at the end. They pulled a Force Awakens on us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Also, like if you think about this, this is the book, right? This is the same book. They've just split it into two. They did a oh. fucking Hobbit on it. Right. So if you think about reading a book, the first half is usually setting it up and mm-hmm. kind of boring. And then the second half is where all the, all the exciting shit happens. So Payoff. yes, this, there will be more action in this movie. Yeah. The thing is, for fans of the 84, David Lynch <laughs> is like, it was a really good movie when they did like four-fifths of the movie on the first book. Mm. But then they did the last one-fifth and did the entire second half. It was all smooshed and terrible, and oh my god. So I'm looking forward to it being properly paced myself. Totally. This is a mm. book that needs two parts. This is a book... 100%. Right? That yeah, it needs four or five hours to be told. Not like The Hobbit, which needed like 98 minutes. <laughs> oh my god. That's so true. Yeah. Alright, next up, a trailer that we... Sorry, Brian. Got to see in the theaters before we saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a new trailer for Oppenheimer. This is the uh, movie with um, Killian Murphy that will be in theaters on July 21st. And it is very similar. In a number of shots are similar to a trailer that was released four months ago. But this trailer, we just kept like doing the Leo point and like Curse and I were like smacking each other, like pointing. We're like, hey, it's that guy. Because this one dropped off whole mess of cast that uh, I personally didn't know was going to be in there before. In the trailer, mm-hmm. you see uh, Emily Blunt and Matt Damon and Kenneth Branagh and Jack Quaid from The Boys, which is smashed to the floor. But also, Robert Downey Jr. is in this. Florence Pugh, uh, Gary Oldman, uh, let's see, Rami Malek, David Dasmalchian, who comes up a lot on this uh, on this pod. Uh, this movie is stacked. How come Brian I'm didn't get to see it? Was it not part of your screening? The no, because I didn't go into the IMAX one. Oh, is that why? Sure. Yeah. Oh, so we saw it. Oh, because no one loves IMAX. Oh, that makes because sense. Because <laughs> the stupid Cineplex app. Oh, man. It, uh, uh, it has three posters yeah. that you have to like you click on for Guardians of the Galaxy. That was a real falling For God. whatever reason. One was and in they French. show different showtimes. One was in French, and I couldn't understand. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mine was in Spanish. It was like, do you want to see the movie in Spanish or normal? And I was like, IMAX, please. And then it wouldn't show me the IMAX. It's like I had to go on a scavenger hunt to find the IMAX. And it kept on being like, Spanish? I was like, why? Yeah. No. I didn't think to check when I got it. And I was like, cool. There's like an IMAX screening at 6 p.m. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boo. Oppenheimer looks great, obviously. Hopefully this is a bounce back for Kristen. Not, not that his last movie to save cinema what was it called there? Uh, Inception? Tenet. No. no, no, no. Tenet. Tenet. Oh, yeah, Tenet. yeah. Not that it was bad. It just Which wasn't I still love. I yeah. still love the heck out of that movie. Yeah. Great movie. I'm glad you did, buddy. It was too, it was too complicated. This dude's batting like 
you know, 900 yeah. pretty much with his movies. Uh, and good for Killian Murphy because I know Chris Nolan's been trying to get him as the lead in his yeah. movies forever. And he's always kind of like fell off to the side to a Leo or to a Christian yeah. Bale or whatever. Because he was really close to becoming Batman, actually. Mm-hmm. So Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So right for it. To get him, mm-hmm. you know, as the, the lead in this uh, movie, I'm happy for him because he seems like the freaking dude. There's, there's universes in Killian Murphy's eyes. It's incredible. He has such... A power. I can't wait to see this movie. Yeah, he's been great in all his supporting roles for sure. Like super well suited. Like, come on, you tell me that guy is more of a Batman than a Scarecrow? No way, right? He's perfectly right? Yeah, cast exactly. as the Scarecrow. But, but it's true. And um, you must have read that same article where he was just talking about how he he sees it as a big responsibility, and he, you know, was dying for the opportunity, but wanted it to be the right role, and wanted to do it for Nolan and everything, and and this is his his big chance. Do we have any like big Peaky Blinders fans on this podcast? It's on my list things. that I cannot get to. Yeah. It's, it's on the list. I hear great things about it Me for too. whatever reason. Yeah. I always. N- don't press play. I know. It's I w- right there. Watch one one episode, but that, that's not nearly enough. And no. apparently he crushes it on there. So I, I know I'm excited. I'm excited about the story as well. The one big thing, like everyone's so excited about Albert Einstein's in this movie. That's weird. It is a little bit weird, right? I'm yeah. sorry. That's weird. I didn't. What? People are excited about that? I saw him in the trailer and I was like, oh, right. <laughs> I, I mean, like, even if it's right. a point of fact, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. I hope Matt Damon doesn't overact. He seemed like he was overact- overacting in his cuts in the in the trailer. There was one so. line where he was a little extra passionate, but I don't yeah. know. It seemed like a passionate moment, you sure. know? No, he's great, but I, I was watching. I was like, mm, I think you're trying to stand out a little too much here, Matty. Yeah, and you're already <laughs> Matt Damon. You already stand out yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah I know. But otherwise, hopes are sky high for this thing. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. I hope I can hear the movie. Ah, good call, good call. Great point. Honestly, since you told me about the um the the uh the reflective glasses and the and the captions that you can see behind you, I'm considering that with this movie. Mm. I mean, I'll, well, maybe I'll wait for some early reviews too, oh, because yeah. undoubtedly the press is going to be on this with Nolan and his clarity in in films. Another trailer that we saw before Guardians was for Polite Society. This will be in theaters April 28th. Looks like a fun sort of young Did you Bollywood say it'll, hero. What? It'll be in theaters on April 28th. Like, oh my God, go sorry. To the past it's to... been in, a- in theaters since April 28th. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it's been out that long. Someone hasn't okay, there you seen go. it. Someone hasn't yeah. seen it. The only screenings actually available, because I, I wanted to say, see this for my 91 second review. I just haven't been able to uh, to get out there and art earns in it. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> it's right downtown, right? That's the only cool. place. It's yeah, it's, it's at the Odeon uh, on Yates Street, and there's only like a few kind of screenings throughout the day. So I was like, I, I haven't been able to make it, but it looks so good. It does. Brian, and, well, and- come and let's do a matinee this week. And I got the, I got the afternoon off because I'm on mornings. You got a pork like, chop in your mouth? What's happening over there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, there's oh, nothing wrong. On this podcast. There's nothing wrong, guys, with being the fucking loser. 
sitting watching a movie by yourself. I never said fucking loser. I it's love not bad. The, I've seen yeah. plenty of movies and or matinees on my own. It's a fine thing to yeah, do. Totally. I saw ten I saw Tenet by myself. I didn't hear right. it. I saw oh it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you, I'm saying this name correctly, Nimra Bucha, it's that's phonetically how you would say it anyways, uh, who played sort of like the kind yet sinister mom in Ms. Marvel is the kind yet sinister mom in Polite Society. So she's already being typecast. But I mean she's so good. She's Oh, it's it's great. This one looks like a fun punch em up. Sometimes um, another- when you do loser behavior with just a little bit of confidence and then springing your step, it turns it all the way back around to cool. So like dining by yourself, Ex- drinking by yourself. I wouldn't do that. Not- <laughs> oh my god, dude. Well, look at <laughs> dining by yourself. Oof, I don't know. Come on. I I respect for people who do, but I would never do it. Would you? Oh, God. I've done it. Have you? I didn't feel if great. I'm hungry. About it. No, absolutely, <laughs> Paul. What? It, geez, no, no, it's great. Your societal it. slave. Yeah. Drinking by yourself—that's a red flag. That's a big problem. You should well, talk to somebody. I mean, I'm not setting well, I do up that a, all the time. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm I only not, do it in Bunnykins mugs. <laughs> Bunnykins, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting I a reservation Ice for myself. Is beautiful Come on canter. Now. Yeah. I mean that's a okay, whole well, level. Sorry, what were you saying? Art, art, say say what you were saying again. We all talked over you. I'm so sorry. I can't remember what I was saying. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no This is why he goes to things alone. It's because he can't get a word in. <laughs> Yell if you think of it, Art. Gran Turismo in theaters August 11th, based on the true story of the video game player who ends up racing a racing car. Wow, it's a true story. Because yeah. I feel like. If, you, if you're eating breakfast alone, that's fine. Because okay, where did we <laughs> you can, you can read even, a newspaper, you know what I mean? You know. And that's just, I'm a very important businessman, and I'm getting my day going, and I'm having a coffee, and I'm getting a breakfast before I go on with my day. Yeah, yeah. But dinner alone, ooh. That says something about you. That's sad. But you might be yeah. traveling for work. Does it say something about you, or does not does refusing to eat dinner alone say something about your insecurity? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, Brian. You're insecure, Paul. Maybe I am, but I tell, I'm, maybe I am. And maybe you're a braver person than me, Brian, or whoever eats dinner by yourself in a restaurant. No, I don't fucking do that. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. Oh my God. Okay. But, and I would go, I would eat breakfast by myself, but dinner, shamefully, in the hotel, behind closed doors, absolutely not. There's the amazing scene in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he goes to eat by himself, <laughs> yes, yeah. and Jonah, yeah. Hill, Jonah Hill's character is like, oh, really, eh? By yourself. <laughs> That's yeah. going to be sad. It's true. Yeah, do you want a magazine or something? It's going to be boring. <laughs> So Yann Mardenborough is the real human being behind this story. The cast includes David Harbour, Orlando Bloom. Uh, Jerry Hallowell is in this. And uh, Jimon Hunsu. The Spice Girl? The Spice Girl. And finally, and coming soon, another trailer we saw before The Thing. But this doesn't look good. Fatal Attraction. This will be a Paramount Plus series, which has dropped... Uh, as of April 30th. And um... <laughs> you use future tense and past tense in that <laughs> yeah, one no, sentence. <laughs> it will be a Paramount Plus series <laughs> that has dropped <laughs> in the past. What is time even? Yeah, get it together, bud. Hold <laughs> anyway, this looks bad. It, yeah, apparently it is bad. Anybody here have Paramount Plus? Oh, yeah. You can't, well, you can only get it as like a but... paid tier on Amazon, right? Exactly. My brother has it, and I'm like, who the hell has Paramount Plus? 
him. People who love Yellowstone. (laughs) Right, yeah, no kidding. This is a remake of the Sharon Stone movie? Mm -hmm. Not Sharon Stone. Glenn Close? Glenn Close. What? You're thinking of... Basic instinct. Yeah. Basic instinct. Oh right, yeah. That's wait. That's, what that's is this? Fatal attraction. Fatal, Fatal attraction. attraction. Michael Douglas. Michael and Douglas Glenn Close. and Glenn Close. Yeah. Never seen it. Sorry. Yeah, that was a mistake. Oh my god. You got me. <laughs> she kills the bunny. <laughs> the bunnykins mug. Oh. <laughs> oh, we're back. We're back. Oh, oh we're my back. god. <laughs> okay, this will be a section unto itself. Paul, I don't know what music you're going to use here, but we're going to talk about the Writers Guild of America strike. It's a thing. It has happened. There is a lot going on and a lot to talk about. Uh, do we overview it first or do we go over productions pause and productions continuing or how I do we want to tackle it? It might be uh, good to go over what the writers want. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. That I can. If you can do a little overview, but I would like it. Um, I talked about so, it briefly last week, so I'll give myself a caboose here now because Brian's been doing it all week. So thank you so much, Brian, for the caboose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but what do you got? Yeah, so the Writers Guild of America and the AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. So the WGA is like the the union and the AMPTP, they're the one. You know, this is just like your standard bargaining, right? So the WGA has released, as of May 1st, statuses on their proposals, the WGA proposals, and the AMPTP offers. And so it's a PDF. It's it's kind it's of a dry. a lot of letters. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a portable document format. <laughs> That's what PDF um, we, we link to it. Uh, there, there are a lot of a lot of things that they ask, and a lot of the responses are... <laughs> rejected our proposal so like okay the basic AMPTP. yeah basic requests is they the writers want to raise they, ba- they they're asking for a livable wage for work that they do that generates millions of dollars apparently 49 percent of uh writers in hollywood make minimum wage uh, uh which is insane because they make four percent less now than they did 10 years ago yeah. Well, and then think of like with cost of living, uh, if you're living off of minimum wage, there was a story about um, a writer. I think it was a writer for the the Netflix show The Bear. Have you guys ever seen The Bear? I heard it's brilliant. Yeah, never uh, seen an episode the, or the two. Chef. I yeah. watched a couple episodes. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> but he was he was supposed to accept an award at I don't know if it was like the Screen Writers Guild or whatever, um, but couldn't even really afford to go. Oh well, my god! Couldn't afford like a suit. To, you know, couldn't uh, you know? Couldn't afford to take any sort of time off work. I think they were working multiple jobs or something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's just kind of insane. Uh, they also want an increase in pension and health care. Uh, they want to update policies surrounding residual income because um, you know residual income from like their work from everything they they've written has kind of been changed since the rise of streaming. And this is sort of what I was referring to before. Like uh, it's really kind of like changed the landscape like quite negatively for um for writers like they used to you used to be able to calculate you write a tv show like say you're a writer for the sitcom friends and then you know that nbc and syndicated uh local stations are going to be rerunning that every thursday at eight o'clock so you get a check from from that and they can calculate that uh 
you know, with streaming services, they're basically just saying like the, some of these networks and uh, these kind of executives are basically saying that they don't own, actually know how many times people are watching it on streaming. So they can't really calculate that shit. Oh, my God. Which that is, is a cute. fucking lie. Such I don't lie. I do yeah. not believe that. No, of course yeah. not. If, if Netflix can brag saying that something yeah. like fucking Red Notice is the most streamed thing ever yeah. since they released it. Of course they Of course know. they have metrics. Of course. So. If YouTube has the number right below the video, yeah, uh, Spotify does it, uh, porno ho- Pornography Hubbard has <laughs> not only the number, but also like, you know, which parts of the video are the most watched. Uh, I guess YouTube does that as well now. Shouldn't have brought Pornography Hubbard into this. Anyways... <laughs> How you doing over there? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, those are the big things. And I think the thing that um, even like, say, actors and people that are not necessarily writers, the thing that they have a stake in is with regards to this whole residual income from streaming services. I think that is the big issue that uh, they really want to tackle with this strike. Um, So I don't know. Hopefully they they come to some sort of they're they're getting paid fairly and hopefully they come to some sort of agreement because it will like it happened in 2007 it will affect a lot of stuff and i think we have a lot of that in the cue sheet there's uh, a number of things a number of things that were they that were asked for where the response is just rejected our proposal refused to make a counter stuff like uh high high budget programs made for uh, avod like video on demand get tv weeklies and script fees and improved residuals rejected our proposal you know each member of the mm. team gets contributions as if they were writing as an individual rejected our proposal but this is the one that got the headlines mm. regulate use of artificial intelligence on mba covered projects ai can't write or rewrite literary material can't be used as source material and MBA cover material can't be used to train AI which is a very smart thing Mm. the response was rejected our proposal countered by offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology interesting well it makes sense because the past uh, the one in 2007 they probably couldn't uh, work into their contracts something that really didn't exist yet right and the streaming and the royalties of course it's time for a re-up yeah. in the contract mm-hmm. so yeah, they, they, nego- they renegotiate every three years um it's these but, big uh, ones though when like major shifts technologically oh, have happened exactly where it comes to a to a boiling point the ai one yeah that is the most fascinating one bud you're right because um, AI now, AI ain't writing shit, right? Like, have you, have you played no, around with chat GPT? No, we're not. Everyone has done it where it's just like, do my job for me. And like, you give it prompts and it, it spits out just hinky trash. It's just, you know, like it's, it's there and I get it and it, it can kind of emulate or pretend to replicate, but like, it's not anywhere near that. And it's, and, and like, I've seen someone on Twitter who asked AI to like write a sitcom. Go ahead, write a sitcom script. Mm. And it just turned out the worst, unfunniest, most basic situation. Formulaic. For, yeah. You know, I mean, formulaic is like even paying it a compliment. Yeah. It barely <laughs> stuck to a formula. Like it's just absolute trash not that that doesn't even bring it even close to the higher upper echelon like i saw this other great tweet that just was it just was uh it was like a transcribe of a arrested development scene where buster 
This is what the tweet says. Like, Buster takes a rubber fist out of his mother's dishwasher, <laughs> smells it, recoils in horror, and then says, I'm going to run this through again on pots and pans. Great joke, right? Great, ridiculous thing. And then, then the tweet kicks off by saying, good luck, chat GPT. Mm. Making the point that, like, when would a when an AI chatbot ever, ever, ever have the spark to write such a ridiculous scene as Buster and the Rubber Fist? But I think AI. the oh sorry go sorry, ahead go ahead Brian. Uh, well, I was going to say the thing that I, I think that uh, a network executive or like those higher ups will see is that AI could probably write the skeleton of a show, and then we can pay one writer to take that skeleton and make changes the way they see fit to make it more creative. Right. And that way we don't have to have a writer's room anymore. Right. We yeah. can just hire less people. And you know right. what you get? Sure. Garbage in, garbage out. Because mm-hmm. the, your the these talented human being writers will spend as much or more time probably to flesh out a a cold you know, robot idea into an actual script that they probably could have done much better from the start. Yeah. And to what you were saying, Paul, AI can output in certain instances some good stuff. But the thing is, it takes exponentially more time to write the prompt for it to understand the parameters. Because if, yeah, if you're writing a one or two sentence prompt, garbage in, garbage out. Same kind of thing. So some shows that have been paused for production are Blade, Stranger Things, Daredevil, Severance, the Game of Thrones spinoff, Cobra Kai, Yellow Jackets, uh, Billions, and some award shows and some talk shows. Some are mm-hmm. some are continuing. Um, and there are a couple productions that are continuing. Uh, rings, Rings, Rings. So they have executive producers that also did some writing, but they won't be doing any writing. Uh, House of the Dragon season two is is going to continue, but no rewrites. Uh, Andor season two. Tony Gilroy is a showrunner, so he's a writer and executive producer. So he's on the set, but he's not doing righty things. <sighs> These are also causing a lot of awkwardness with um, the guilds. Is like, how are you following the rules? Are you following the rules? It's it is weird and awkward. One more thing about AI is like this one, this this strike has really shown, unfortunately, um, how horrible it is that people in power, people you know who employ, are definitely looking at this at this technology uh, in terms of how can I use this to pay people less? How can I pay 100%. fewer people uh, living wage to do a job? And that is kind of not. Great. That's not great that that's, you know, I understand that there's uh, positive implications about this technology, but our first stop is let's pay people less money to do creative things. Horrible. Disney sent an interesting memo, basically, that uh, you are not excused from performing your duties as a showrunner and or producer on your series as a result of the WGA strike. This is, again, for those showrunners who are split and they mm. do some writing. You know, you must perform your showrunner and or producing duties even if the WGA attempts to fine you for performing such du- such services during the strike. This is going to butt some heads and mm-hmm. I hate to think that some of the big businesses are sort of stoking this fire. 
um, to make. So, the, is this like a sort of situation like if Feige was on something? Because Feige's not a writer; he's probably a producer, director, but he does some writing. Like th- that's the kind of person we're talking about here. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that yeah, would like fall, showrunner, fall showrunner who's thing. an executive producer and a screenwriter, basically. That's where the awkwardness mm-hmm. falls in, I think. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. they have two jobs and one of them they're not allowed to do anymore. Huh. and that must be hard too. Like, <clears throat> because I imagine like a lot of these shows, like Andor season two, is written, but they usually have the writers, I guess, on set, which I didn't really think about, just in case you need Absolutely. a last minute rewrite. Oh yeah, and so it's weird because like they have the script and the script is done and they've blocked it and they've done everything they need to do so like the the ease of which feige could be like oh change that line from cat to dog right and suddenly uh uh-oh i've violated the writer's strike that's writing Um, but that's the thing writers weird writers are on set for rewrites they're on set yeah. during yeah. the production one of the things that they're trying to pull the rug out from under them is just to have them in pre-production and not to have them there on the set for rewrites but no they're on the set because this stuff is important and you don't know what environmental factors are going to um affect whether or not you can deliver a line or a you know a scene as written right yeah all sorts of things can can happen but that's when it comes down to the writer's duty to be able to rewrite that they cannot do that because right. and that's basically what you described as happening on rings 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 season two yeah right yeah. is that there's basically they're gonna go ahead with production nobody's gonna be in the background in case they need a rewrite on a you exactly. know, a couple of lines or something and even those mm. people who are on set with double duties can't perform writing duties yeah yeah so you, we're gonna notice that we're oh very much yeah. gonna notice that kirsten uh sent uh, an article from Kristen harris uh, who is definitely not her uh 19 <laughs> ways beloved shows and movies were affected by the 2007 2008 writers strike we link to this uh article it's it's quite incredible to realize how how much was impacted and there's a whole bunch of shows that just sort of like went away or went bad that were because of this and and movies as well yeah i remember the big example was always heroes heroes season one was one of the best seasons of television ever created uh between season one and season two i guess that's when the writer strike happened and the network had so many giant plans for heroes right they were gonna do like a three-part um or the yeah they're gonna do like three-part storytelling right and um they had to kibosh it because the first few episodes of the second season were panned. You know, people hated it. Um, and that was because like the pre-production took place during the writer's strike. Break, uh, Breaking Bad's uh, first season was cut short. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I don't think anybody remembers Terminator colon the Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles. I love I that do. show. Yeah, it was I an remember amazing it. show. Lena, Lena Headley was uh, was Sarah Connor. But yeah, the, the there was this long hiatus with the writers' strike. They lost fifty percent of their ratings, and then and then tanked the show. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Yeah, and then and then there was other uh, things that really came from it too. I, I'm, did we touch on this or I don't know? But uh, the way that shows used to be like twenty four episodes long, and yep. now they're a lot shorter. 
um, you know, seven, eight, ten. Ten is usually the uh, the standard these days, right? Of like uh, how many episodes to a season. Um, that well, came on, out of a writer's and, and on an old uh, on an old style twenty two to twenty four episode per year schedule. Yeah. Writers generally would work for ten months, then they'd have a little break, then they'd go back for another show. So I mean, if you've got a streaming show with like 10, 12 episodes, maybe you're working three months a year. And but uh, you know so. So what do you do? You know, you you try and get another job, and that's if your contract allows you to, and if you can um, accommodate the schedule. Um, I get a lot of this from a, a TikTok from a writer, uh, one of the writers from King of the Hill and Lois and Clark and Beavis and Butthead. His name is Michael Jam, and we link to this as well. Mm. He breaks this down brilliantly, and it just hurts to to realize what's being done to these poor, like middle class people oh yeah 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 just imagine that your job just dries up every few months and and then you are back on the street just pounding pavement going looking for another job in the same field it's yeah it's so stressful can we uh talk about david zaslav Oh, yes, please, yes, please do. do it. I read that deadline article, and yeah, I, I think they just focused on that that one line. So I read another article that talked about like he was um, giving an interview about this. Full quote is, uh, well, the good, the okay part of the quote is, in order to create great st- storytelling, we need great writers. We need the whole industry to work together. Everybody deserves to be paid fairly. As for the resolution to to the strike. Zadlav uh, said that it should be done in a way that makes uh, writers feel like they're valued, which they are, and compensated fairly. Um, and then he went off to finish his like he just added another comment by or added on to his comment by saying the strike will end due to a love for the business and a love for working, uh, which is that right there kind of shows the the divide in class right between those higher executives like david zaslav i think if we look into how much he made last year oh, you're looking it. at oh how much one quarter of one billion dollars my goodness Son of a buck <laughs> yeah. right wow. so that is coming from a very rich person like it, it screams privileged rich person yeah. who isn't you know struggling Right now, to make ends meet, like you went the writers the that work on the show and write the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Brian, I can eat loving my work. Yeah, I yeah. pay my right. mortgage with love every month. I go to the bank. You would have been better off just ending that quote with Zaslav. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pay them fairly, Zaslav. Yeah, oh, Zaslav has yes. gotten a lot of hate for this quote, and it, it was very uh, short-sighted. And honestly, yes, it's good for the whole quote, but exactly as you said, the fact that he even said this just shows his disconnect, his mm. rich person disconnect. He should have paid a writer to write his key messages. Oh! <laughs> oh. There you go. Some scab across the picket line? Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Kirsten passed another article uh, about Michael Bay because, of course, Transformers 2, uh, Revenge of the Fallen, was uh, sort of part of that whole thing. And Michael Bay says, when I look back at it, that was crap. <laughs> the writer's strike was That's coming hard. Brian. Brian. Hmm? Brian. Brian passed this one. Oh, Brian oh, yeah, passed yeah, this one. Sorry, yeah, the, he passed the, the, the from the other from the 2007, 2008. Yeah, the writer strike was coming hard and fast. It was just terrible to do a movie where you've where you've got to do a story in three weeks. Yeah. And didn't yeah, it, didn't that movie make like 
Almost a billion dollars, though. Well, Transformers 2 is famously the worst one of all, it's I bad. think, right? Like, it is bad. Yeah. It's up there with one of the worst movies. Oh, Terminator 2. Or not Terminator 2, sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. Tomb Raider 2 as well. Being that bad? Being like, just like, I want to walk out of the theater. made a Tomb Raider 2? Oh, my God. I want to walk out of the theater bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, this all goes to show, and this is, I suppose, the, the whole point, how valuable writers are and how completely unfairly they're being treated right now thank you more we want to cover on the writer's story? well thank goodness ted lasso and uh succession are ending here <laughs> yeah no kidding. for our sakes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i know but like i'm hooked on these nice little uh, tv shows that i'm enjoying so much right now and uh yeah i i, I can see them drying up it's like you know, getting to the edge of a desert or something like that where I just I it just there's nothing more coming down the pipe. How as a consumer can we help is the question. Can That's a great question, actually. And I mean, also how in Canada can we help? But I mean, yeah. there's the thing, right? The Writers Guild of Canada is showing support and not taking any um any WGA work mm. from them. So that's something. You know, because I mean, in Canada, we get a crap ton of. I mean, this they, they call it Hollywood North, right? We get a crap yeah. ton of that uh, of that kind of work. So, in in solidarity, yeah, writers are not to accept any work struck under a WGA juris- jurisdiction for the duration of the strike, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as as normal people, I I suppose just talking about it, uh, you know, is kind of sort of what we can do because it's an important thing that. You know, the news cycle, right? It will just eventually fade away. And unfortunately, we as consumers will end up with crap product in a year or two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not the right time to, you know, take any action about it. Again, what we in Canada can do, hard to say. But, uh, you know, just showing support. Yeah, I hope they give them what they want. You know, I, I think the working class needs a win. And uh, let's hurry up and get back to it there and let's start making these shows and these movies again, like, come on. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing without the writer. So let's go. Eat the Rich Geek News Proper. We have our first look. It's just a still from the Avatar The Last Airbender movie coming October 24th, 2025. It's the same lovable characters we all know and love. They're just, they're just taller and, and older. The uh, Dial of Destiny will be the last time for Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. It was a very telling quote. Um, This is the final film in the series, he says, and this will be the last time I'll play the character. I anticipate it will be the last time that he appears in a film. Which just (laughs) completely consistent with how he's been about no one can play my characters but me. Yeah. Very Yeah. Good luck, dude. You I hope I hope you're right. I hope he's right. I don't want to see any more Indiana Jones. I don't yep. want to see this one. But um, <laughs> that's fair. But know? in the end, it's not generally the actor's decision. So rarely, so 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 rarely. Yeah. Jonathan Groff will be joining Doctor Who in quote a mysterious and exciting guest role. That's all we know. That's all we know. I wish I knew anything about Doctor Who where I could take some guesses like, oh, I think he's going to be the Lizard King. It's like, I don't know what anything is on that show. <laughs> but it's great. Jonathan Groff, though, is... Uh, the world needs more Jonathan Groff. He's terrific. It's true. And from what I do know about Doctor Who and the kind of like cutesy, quirky, 
tone and whatever of this show, it's I think he'll fit right in, right? Oh, absolutely he will. Absolutely he will. He'll be king of the clip glorps. Plus, he needs he needs the work. Since Thanks, Paul. Fincher there won't finish his story on Mindhunters. God. Oh right, yeah, that's right too. Damn it. Fincher. So, um, Tracy Morgan has been added for season two of the Disney Plus series The Santa Clauses as the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's the Santa Clauses? Oh, it's the Tim Allen movie. Oh, but it's a TV right. show now, it's I guess. It's a TV show. No, it's a series now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I watched that over Christmas. I watched the original? First, the original, first oh. and second one. It's Well, the first one's great. First one's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they made a TV show. I this They are milking this poor cow <laughs> to death and beyond. This The Santa Claus cow is a skeleton now. Like, <laughs> I can't, you know? And uh, I guess if Tracy... I love Tracy Morgan, so if he wants to come and pick the bones of this skeleton cow, <laughs> good enough. As long as the check clears. Stop. Finally, in Geek News proper, the beginning of the song, Where Is My Mind, starts with a very clear, well-spoken stop. Now, I was under the impression, and this is just totally in my head canon, that music that played from your Google speakers, it's sort of like did the whole noise cancellation thing so it wouldn't hear that stuff because sometimes really loud music is coming out of the Google speaker and you can say, hey, and you say the name and it will still hear you over the noise that it is broadcasting out. So I just presumed that it was noise canceling its own output. Apparently that is not the case because people who are setting their alarms on their Google phones with where is my mind have been finding that the alarms just stop because the voice command is given by the song to stop. Brian wrote a brilliant article that uh, you can find on thezone.fm and we linked to that uh, in the show notes. Now, so Brian, I read about this too last week and I was so confused because I guess when I was like, what? When does it say stop? So then I like would look at, I looked it up in our own system. Yeah, no, our system doesn't have that. No, yeah, well, album version. It's the it's this album version. That's right, and it's such a yeah. weird intro to this song, technically part of the song that I'd never heard before. So I'd, I'd see all these headlines and everything. I'm like, what? Does it start with the saying? <laughs> I don't remember that. And then I'd listen to yeah. the song. It's for our system. What? And so I don't know. I, I I wonder if I even looked it up on Apple Music if it would start with that intro. Because it, it doesn't actually start with stop. It starts with the, ooh, like that person yeah. actually singing it, and then they right. sample that throughout the song. Right, right. So, interesting. Right. <laughs> we are on to reviews and recommendations, starting with Brian's 91-second movie review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Ah, yes. Uh, yes, now, yes. And now, a zone at 913 91 second movie review. 5, 4, 3, 2, and... Action! Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. 3 is the conclusion of the Marvel space opera franchise as we know it. It's a film with a ton of heart, laugh-out-loud humor, and some of the best action sequences the MCU has seen in a while. Yep. That said, I wouldn't all-out call it the best Marvel movie since Endgame, and it's certainly not without its flaws. A lot of the fat could have been trimmed to save us at least a half hour. While I laughed a lot, the film did tend to follow a comedic formula, making some of the jokes a bit repetitive. Character says something dumb, other character points out the dumb thing, original character responds by saying something dumber. 
The performances were on point. Chuck Woody Wooji was great, even though his motivations as a villain were fairly shallow and cliche, and Bradley Cooper deserves an award for his voice acting. Now, a warning to parents, the movie is a lot less family-friendly than some audiences could expect, and I'm not just talking about the fact that Guardians 3 drops the MCU's first F-bomb. This is actually the darkest film of the trilogy. It has plenty of violence, it's pretty graphic in a few parts, and there are some dark emotional themes where you can feel the visceral rage bursting out of a character. Parental warning aside, it's incredible filmmaking, but I can also understand how families can be caught off guard. A big selling point of the franchise, especially after Volume 2, is the character of Groot. Fans just love adorable characters. They're bankable, they sell a lot of backpacks, and Disney knows this. Why else would Disney Plus put out a series of animated shorts about Baby Groot? But it's that cuteness that could bring an unsuspecting family to the theater to watch this very PG-13 film. But all this to say that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is worth the watch. Despite its flaws, it's got a bit of everything. Like a carefully curated mixtape. Cut! That's a wrap! Uh... You can find all of Brian's 91 Second Movie Reviews at thezone.fm slash movies. That was a fantastic review. I agree with everything. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get right into this thing, I'm sure. But I is that kind of what your experience was, Brian? Is that you brought your kids to this movie and then, you know, you're, you're sitting with them at nightmare time because the animals... No, well, <laughs> I actually have Kirsten to thank, who's coughing right now. Sorry. I picked the time to thank you when you started coughing because Kirsten sent me an article that didn't spoil anything, but it was just saying, parents beware. Brilliant. It has some pretty scary things. And it's not even just like for kids, too. It's like if you're an animal lover. Um, yeah. I know PETA gave Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 or James Gunn an award for like the best animal lover film of the year or whatever, or whatever because it has worth. a really good message. But if you are an animal lover, this is a very difficult film to watch. Ugh. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like, so I got a chance to warn and mainly Kean cause like Aiden and I have watched, you know, uh, like even R rated movies and stuff before, <laughs> but, uh, mainly Kean who gets like, you know, sensitive to certain scenes. So he yeah. kind of knew what he was getting himself into and he knew to just like, there are certain scenes where he just like close his eyes or cover his ears or whatever. Nice. So, um, but yeah, otherwise, like if, if I didn't have that warning though, we would have all been stoked and he probably would have been like, Oh Oh, oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 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 But that aside, I loved it. I, I, I love the f bomb scene. I, yeah, me too. I was gonna say, it was surprising. So fun. So the way they so did it, that I thought was, was really Marvel's fun. first f bomb. Is that right? In yeah. theaters? Yeah, yeah, I guess nice. so. It's yeah. weird that they put it in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, what a send off for James Gunn. Bye bye. I saw an yeah, interview on TikTok. There was an interview that came up on my TikTok feed with James Gunn talking about this. And it was his... Apparently, the Russos had an opportunity to put an F-bomb in... I don't know if it was Civil War or one oh, of the oh, wow. other movies. Yeah, I can think um, of two instances. One was when Spider-Man goes, <clears throat> holy shit. When oh, yeah, when yeah, yeah. Ant Man right. becomes giant, holy I think, fucking shit! Yeah, he could. I <laughs> yeah. feel like he could have put an F bomb there. And yeah. there was another time in I think it was Infinity War where uh, Star Lord gives the finger to to right. to, uh, yeah. to Thanos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyway, he so yeah, Kevin Feige was telling uh, James Gunn about this that the Russos had the opportunity, and they said. Um, they didn't want it to be their legacy. 
was just uh, they had a film that was the f bomb, and so James he Gunn said, care. "Well, he said to James Gunn, is like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but <laughs> if you want that to be your legacy, that is your choice." And he's like, he said, "That just made me want to do it even more." Of course, I of course I want that to be my legacy. Yes. Of course, so, and it's, I didn't realize James Gunn did Super, that movie from I think 2010 with Rain Wilson and Elliot Page. Like shut up, crime with the pipe and pipe uh, wrench. Um, well, incredibly good but disturbing movie. Um, the looks on your faces say you haven't seen it. No, I'm trying to remember. But James Gunn does have a, a long history and a pedigree of making like very creative movies. It's like he's yeah. beloved for that reason. It's why so many people, mm-hmm. you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, so head and shoulders above you know the rest of the Marvel universe. Even didn't didn't he start out as a trauma director? Like yes. he did like B B level horror oh, films. Wow. Right? That's right. Yeah. That's why he thought he could get away with those tweets. Yeah. Oh. That got him in trouble. Yeah. But no, this F bomb it, it makes sense here, like to say, Brian, that they would have put the F bomb in Civil War or like, I don't know, Winter Soldier or like a more serious, darker Marvel mm. movie. It's like that would have been too much. You want the yeah. F bomb in a comedic part and yes and it just landed in this in this part in this movie it was it i think i hate to say the f-word was the best part of the movie i don't care about (laughs) f-words i watch hbo already i don't care but (laughs) it landed it was it was so much fun just because the whole scene around it yeah yeah exactly yeah i have to say like going into this move sorry no it's fine go ahead Going into this movie, I really thought I was not going to like it just because the early reviews were talking about, oh, it's a bummer. It's so much of a bummer mm-hmm. after two movies and this is its legacy and we're saying goodbye. And then we all had our theories on who's going to die. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to I'm not going to like this movie. I was like, I'm, it's going to be a bummer, but I, I want to see how I, it wraps up. Yeah. And so walking out of that theater, I was so pleasantly surprised. Me I was too. like, I, I was like relieved. the ending. I like what they did. I like how they wrapped it up. Um, and I was very happy with it. Um, we should now or before F8 for spoilers, please. Oh, okay, sure. Let's do that. Well, no, you know what? Can I just... <clears throat> I'll say unspoilery first before we do that. Um, I liked it. Y'all liked it. I, it's definitely my least favorite of the Three Guardians movies. Uh, I, I can, I really appreciate a lot of what was done. Like, Brian's right. The action was great. That hallway scene is phenomenal. Mm. Um, there's some really interesting set pieces, some really in- interesting sets themselves that like weird living tissue planet oh yeah with the like the pee pee fountain inside of it and the and the gack controls and mm. so many things that were so interesting and cool and fun but i just feel like the guardians of the galaxy movies in general have it's good that this is the last one because this one kind of like outstayed its welcome a bit. I feel like it's like it's the same exact formula. They just keep coming back to it, the same exact type of jokes, and then and then mixed in with maybe yeah, just like this animal stuff that was in there, which we'll get to. It just was hard. It was difficult. I didn't find myself just 
brimming over the top with enjoyment watching this thing. Like, certainly I did with the first one, and then to some extent the second one as well. And all the Guardian scenes in, uh, you know, Infinity War and Endgame, too. I love yeah. these characters, and that's the best thing that James Gunn has done, is make these misfit characters so goddamn lovable. But I just found this movie, and it was a, I don't know, I thought it was like kind of a small-scale adventure for them to say goodbye on, too. As as much as I appreciate that, and it was a very personal adventure, especially for Rocket, <sighs> I don't know. I, wasn't, I, I mean, didn't... yeah, so I get that, because like I, <clears throat> I do like how personal the adventure was, mm-hmm. but if you do break this film down into its simplest form, it was a series of fetch quests. That's it. Yes, right. Honestly, we got to get this call. thing. We got to get this piece of information. We yeah. got to find this person now, right? And it's we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Um, that's why probably in quality it doesn't really live up to as well. Very much the first one. I'm actually on the fence of, as to whether or not I like this one better than the second one because mm. I think I might. I I think I just might a little bit. Um, but you're right. I I think it was pretty simplistic as like you know the plot of them. And same thing with the the villain, right? Is it baby Uh, time? I hear baby. (gasps) Hi, Indy. Hi, Indy. Hi, Indy. Hi, Indy. Hello. (laughs) It's so good. He was playing a pool today, huh? I, I, I had a bit of an issue, I think, with the the peaks and valleys of the tone. I thought it was like it was it was like, oh, you're having fun, you're having fun, and then all of a sudden, it's like, boom! Oh my god, this is horrible. You're having fun, you're having fun, yeah. And then, oh my god, you're going, you're having fun, and then again, boom! And it's like it doesn't help me. It didn't help me enjoy the ride as much as I think I should have. Yeah, I'm okay with the fetch quest, fetch quest as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I didn't enjoy it as much as either of the first two. But there are moments so I'm watching this, like when they are questing and they're going into that Ogre Con City or whatever that thing is, that mm-hmm. Tissue City. I'm like, this feels like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and I enjoyed True. those moments. And I understand James Gunn's need because when you're doing three movies, like it's tough. It's yeah. tough to come up with new ways and new stories to tell with these same characters that we love so much. So for that, I think I will give him credit for giving us something new and heartfelt. Um, I do also found some of the dark stuff pretty jarring. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I want to give him credit for it or not because I thought maybe there was more clever ways of coming out with some of that mm-hmm. animal cruelty stuff because it, w- it was really jarring, which um, I think, you know, it's it's a good thing to bring up, but also I feel like he could have done it in a little bit of a nicer way. Well, I'll, I think we'll I want to get more into that in spoilers for sure, but um, but 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 just a couple of other things more positively and more generally I can say about it as well is that I didn't find the villain was so bad. I thought that the high evolutionary like you know the the three villains in these three movies they are kind of classic archetype big you know like world ending um, villains, but they have kind of unique motivations, and I got to give Gun credit for that. They're not just like a villain of the week out for revenge all the time you know they have interesting uh evil for sure but uh, i thought he was a more brutal version of thanos kind of this guy yeah yeah like 
what's his idea of evolution high evolution i yeah i thought yeah but i i kind of like the fact that he couldn't get past this thing that he made which is rocket yeah and that like it he couldn't he couldn't figure it like he couldn't get past that mm-hmm. bah, 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 bah. yeah yeah getting close to spoilers uh, spoilers yeah and the other thing <laughs> sorry the last thing i'll say is that like um you know that what i love too about him is that because we were talking about um what's his name nathan fillion fillion and he doesn't have like a big role in this movie but it's a well-written role even though it's like mm. kind of small, and but it's so fun. It's like oh, that yeah. role was not wasted on a guy the size of Nathan Fillion. It was kind of perfect, and so I got to give Gunn credit for that as well. So yeah, no, there was a bit of consequence to that role, and as it turned out, yeah, I was surprised about. Yeah, so 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 I just have mixed feelings about it. I don't want to say it's bad. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't I haven't my, decided. My Honestly, I haven't decided. I may have to watch it again. Yeah. All right, should we hit spoilers? Nope. I'm going to read Zoner Bryce's review quickly. Um, He thought that it was the perfect send-off to one of the best superhero trilogies of all time. He thought the first half was good, but not great, but thought the second half was just beautiful. Bryce thought the High Evolutionary is probably the most nasty, purely evil villains Marvel has ever produced. Quote, and I did not like him at all. But he did (laughs) like his motivation, which we'll get into into spoilers. Um, Bryce cried three times, but once was happy tears. Um, he really enjoyed the music choices and the, the much more wide era that we have now, like seventies, all the way up to the two thousands. Uh, he says, overall, this movie was fantastic. I would recommend it a hundred percent. And it reinvigorated my faith in Marvel. Thank you, James Gunn, who is now off to DC. (laughs) Spoilers. So just one rebuttal here to Bryce's email. He wrote such a good email. Um, But the one thing I didn't agree with, and I'm so sorry, Bryce, is just that extended scene at the beginning of Radiohead's Creep. And I just I just thought that was just gratuitous is not the right word. But to start the movie, I was like, come on, this is too on the nose. Rocket singing Creep. Like maybe uh, gratuitous, maybe a bit. Like I don't know, and I know I know that Bryce said that he really liked that, so I'm I'm yeah. sorry to disagree with that. But that beginning scene, I was like, oh no. And Paul and I kind of had this conversation about the soundtrack too. Is that I found that the soundtrack instead of in Guardians One, where it was really complimentary and like yeah, I was like, I wow, this song really works here. I found like it was more sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah, mm, and I felt exactly and, that. Yeah, and I couldn't, and I can't decide, and I don't know. Is that because of what I guess we could call the Guardians of the Galaxy effect, where yeah. so many movies in the last ten years, when did the first one come out, have, have started using popular music in it? And that yeah, now that really we're in Guardians three. I'm like, ooh, I don't like this when they're it's o- what I really liked in Guardians 1. Yeah, yeah their own it's, trend kind of made it tired. It's a lot less yeah. subtle. Like, the needle drops are way more aggressive in this one yes. than they ever were in the first two. And I was wondering, like, I started thinking, as like I, I liked every song they chose. Sure. But mm-hmm. I was also wondering, like, oh, maybe if they had stuck to a decade, it would have been a little bit mm, more that's a good impactful you know, and subtle. Like maybe if it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they discovered the Zune and the Zune only has all 90 songs. Yeah. 
What was no? the 2000 like, song at the end when you switched it? What was that song? Uh, Florence the Machine. What? Dog Days Yeah, Dog Days are over. But and see, again, like all the musical choices, I liked it, but <laughs> it felt very aggressive. It felt a lot more in your face than anything else. And I, I, I agree with you, Kirsten. I think it's, it's this sort of James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy effect where movie studios now are expecting it. Yeah, you know, let's 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 put a popular That's the song wrong in reason. there. Well, yeah, exactly. And and what's such a bummer too is that, you know, that first one it was so well curated to serve the story. You know, like James Gunn wanted to put these pop songs in his movie, but to make it feel natural and and to give every single song a certain amount of an emotional weight, it was this very. Um, like powerful and relatable way to tie Peter Quill back to Earth and back to his mm-hmm. sad origin where his mom dies and his way to, you know, t- like t- talk about the relationship that his mom and he had bonding over music. And, and it made sense. Every single song on that mixtape playlist is, is a song that it makes perfect sense that like a hipster 70s chick would love and love to share with her son. Right? And now, and then same with the new music in, in volume two, right? Because that was what he got, was a second mixtape from his mom. For this one, it was some rando's Zune with a bunch of pop music. So essentially <laughs> what every movie studio has at their disposal, You're which is right, just the infinity of music, whatever they want to just shove in there to just have pop music in your movie. Yeah. Well, and yeah, because that's the thing, right? It's like the sentiment was supposed to be the, f- the first movie he got the music from his mom. Yeah. The second movie he got the music from his dad because that Zune was something that Yondu found for Peter. But obviously Yondu didn't curate the music on that right? on no. that Zune. It was just like all the music was already on there and Yondu found it. Yeah. So whatever was on there was his. Right. Yeah, so, but but no, you're all right. It's mostly just that we're so fucking sick and tired of movies shoving in pop music that doesn't quite suit and <clears throat> is just there for the sake of being there. And now yes. it just is like everything else. And I think who made it, Kirsten, was either you or our friend Tyson made the point that like, this is the second movie we've seen this month starring Chris yes. Pratt mm-hmm. yeah. with No Sleep no Till Brooklyn, Brooklyn in it. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I I thought about it for a second. I was like, and in which movie is it less appropriate? Because (laughs) in Super Mario Brothers, we just spent, you know, two two weeks ago, we were screaming that there should have been no pop music in that movie. Get it out of there. But at least Mario's from Brooklyn. And in this one, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, and I guess it makes sense to have Beastie Boys, but... Love. Not really. It could have been any Beastie Boys song. Like, I don't know. But Good also anyway, that yeah. was during that incredible hallway scene, which yeah. I got to say, like James Gunn, man, he did an incredible job of the action scenes in this movie because yeah. a lot of the times they will really go unless they slow it down. They'll really go on your head, the, over your head, the choreography and what the fuck's going on. And yeah. oh, wow, look at that cool thing. And there was several scenes in this movie where I was like, I can see what's going on. It's clear. I'm seeing the cool thing. Like I'm seeing Groot do that cool fucking shield thing yeah, and like yeah. the the arm flip. Like I'm seeing and taking all of these things into my brain. So I'm not sure what James Gunn did because 
it maybe it was slow down a bit, but it wasn't slow motion. But however he directed these action scenes, I thought they were so cool and so incredible. And everyone got like a little hero moment. Yeah. Um, it was it was really neat. Yeah, that hallway one was made to look like a one shot. Yeah. Right? Like where there are no cuts yeah. and you're yeah. going underneath Groot's arm and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know what else James Gunn does that I really like? Mm-hmm. It's when his characters are like walking together towards the camera. And he just, it, it seems like he always has those wide angle shots with uh, um, his characters, all of his heroes walking together in unison towards the camera. Yeah. I don't know what it's yeah. called, but he, I, I find his movies do that really well with Guardians of the Galaxy. And I kept noticing it, and I don't usually notice things like that. So, And yeah, I like how we kind of got a little bit of a bookend of that walking shot because you got the original guardians plus mantis so Mm -hmm. not really but Mm -hmm. you got all the original guardian and weird gamora doing that walking shot which was kind of cool right like to have that moment of like wow it's the ogs here Mm -hmm. yeah um i thought that was a cool thing that he did for sure yeah as you mentioned gamora by the way Mm -hmm. uh Zoe Saldana, right? Yes. I thought she looked amazing in this movie, oh, yeah. and I very much enjoyed her. <laughs> oh, that's so weird because I didn't like. I uh, I thought they made her look like what Gamora Ravager would look like because, like, her hair was kind of like gross and not washed. It was, and, doing, like, it was doing it for I me. feel like. I feel like her teeth were weird. Like, like that she had like weird, not brushed teeth. Like, I don't know. I felt like she looked so dirty, but I'm glad that that did it for you there. Yeah, that's working for me. (laughs) Gross. I agree that she did have like a, like a less, like a more unkempt look because yeah, in this, in this instance, she is from the Ravagers. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was uh, appropriate how they had sort of like dialed her space glamour. Uh, down. I, I liked her. <laughs> I liked her part in this movie. I thought yeah. he did a good job of writing her back into this movie as we all speculated it would happen, right? Yeah, and I think that it would have been a really easy way out to have her like re-fall in love with Star-Lord and it was... Yeah, I would have hated that. that. Been, right? Been, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it, that would have bumped me so much Absolutely. if it's like That's, they yeah. are just back together. Yeah. 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 They yeah. give you what is the possibility of the thread to pull on maybe, maybe later, but they didn't just make it happen, and no. thank goodness. And you know what is kind of related to that, too? is interesting that, um, so apparently James Gunn is, like, super chapped at the way that uh, all the Guardians characters were kind of written in Endgame and Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about this. We, we talked about that last week, right? And I was kind of just like, come on, guy, you were there. Like, you helped write it. But I think... The problem was for him is that like they they did these things like they killed Gamora in Endgame and he hadn't really planned for that. He had always planned Guardians to be this trilogy. So he had a, a plan and arcs for everybody and all of a sudden Gamora's dead. And right. right, and they're just like, ah, well, well, we'll bring her back. It'll be a different version, but you can you can still have her. You can have her back for your plans. And Somehow. I'm sure he right, he's just like what? No. Wait, that yeah. is in total contrast to something I read today that was that James Gunn wanted to kill Gamora in Guardians 2. In 2. And, oh. and, uh, and Feige and was like, no, please don't kill her. Okay. Uh, because we have plans for her. Mm-hmm. And then they had, then he got the call about Infinity War and said, Kate, what if we kill her in Infinity War? instead and james gunn was like okay cool that works for me yeah i i so the thing i heard i so i heard exactly that kirsten um and 
kind of related to what you were saying, Paul. I th- I heard that James Gunn was not thrilled at the end of Endgame that Thor was with the Guardians of the Galaxy because oh, right. he didn't yeah. want that. He did not want Thor in this movie. Right. Um, so he said that Taika Waititi basically jumped on a grenade for me by putting the Guardians at the beginning of that movie. And then having that kind of be their send off, <laughs> like they 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 went apart for, from each other because right. he didn't want Thor in this movie because they barely were in that movie. It was just kind of like a okay, bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well then there you go. So that makes sense too. But but there was that one scene that I thought was very interesting where they're like riding in an elevator and Star Lord is like just explaining what happened with Gamora. And well, yeah. he says this line about, he's like, I don't know, I'm not some infinity stone scientist or whatever, right? And it just, it sounded very much like speaking in James, in, Gunn. in James Gunn's voice, yeah. being like, well, he's like a bunch he said, of bullshit. He said, I got mad and, uh, yeah, I lost my cool and uh, pretty much almost killed half the universe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly, yeah. right? So, that so was a just, great scene. That elevator yeah, scene it really was. was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was like... I had to write my way out of a bunch of crap because of these guys or yeah. whatever. For this I thought movie. it was good. It's good writing too because, like, it is one of those things where, like, you remember how we we're talking about the Mandalorian didn't even have that drinking previously on yeah. in another show. If you're just a fan mm-hmm. of the Guardians of the Galaxy and that's the only trilogy you've watched from Marvel, at least this fills in the gaps for you quite yep. nicely. Yep. It doesn't but do like it halfway like through the movie. Super, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but, yeah, be, yeah. But like halfway through the movie, that's when Gamora shows up, right? So it just yeah. <laughs> sort of, if you're just watching that, you're probably wondering, oh, why is Gamora, you know, just there now? How come she wasn't with them the whole time? Mm. And it adds that mystery as if like, you know, you didn't you know see any of that stuff in Endgame or, or Infinity War and then they fill it in for you. Like they just kind of fill in the mystery, which I thought was pretty nice writing on their part. Yeah. For, for that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's get to the animal cruelty here. Uh, oh, my I... God. Right? Was it too much or right. what? I just, like, not not only was it too much, and this is what I was going to say to you before, but, like, predictable. Mm-hmm. Predictable. As soon as you get these, these animals looking up at the ceiling, talking about the sky, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, just dig little holes in the backyard for them all now. They're toast. <laughs> They're dead. You know, so it's, it's like, like impending it's so, doom. Yes. And you kept waiting yeah. for it. I was like, this is ruining this movie for yes. me. Oh. And the way that they were just like so cutesy and over the top and yeah. optimistic about going into the new world and everything. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. As they're in this like depressing, horrific cage, yeah. it was like, again, love, love. When's the last time you saw a big budget? Hollywood blockbuster tackle animal cruelty mm. as a subject matter. Great. I love that we're having the conversation. But holy smokes, did it depress me in the middle of this fun action space romp. <laughs> but you know what? who those characters reminded me of? Uh, remember in the first Toy Story when they went to Sid's room and yeah. he fucked oh, with all those God. toys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. It was that. He met oh. the Toy Story characters. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, I don't care so about toys. <laughs> you know it's, uh, the- yeah the, it was a really tough watch like i i read something after about how james gunn used every tool in a director's book to make those animals adorable and lovable from like slow motion pan mm, close-ups yeah, to yeah. like big eyes to cutesy lines like and a lot of people are saying like james gunn it's like you don't 
believe that people think animal cruelty is wrong at a base level like at a base level people should just know that animal cruelty is bad and this is bad you don't need to then amplify it it by showing it why it's so bad and great detail I thought that was a really interesting take and like I, I like it wasn't that they were saying he's lazy it's just like they were like you have zero faith in in anybody to understand mm. that this was a bad thing that you really had to spill it out spell it out for everybody which made it a really hard watch for people that like animals or love animals or just the the majority of the population, you know? Yes, mm. people. <laughs> and I like su- it would be like, can you imagine if they did that with the with the fucking kids? <laughs> like yeah. they saved the kids at the end, the star children. Right. Yeah. But right. we didn't get like so slow pan close-ups of their big cute eyes. And Fair enough. They're crying and they're shuddering in a corner, hugging each other. Like, cause we know they're fucking kids it's sad we don't need that right so anyway i do suppose that it did the job that it was supposed to do which was really make us hate the villain Mm. (sighs) but boy was it not fun yeah at what cost to our hearts yeah yeah like i don't know it was weird it was weird to me all of the animal cruelty stuff and then weirdly the star children that got like Put in at the end, it was like, okay, well, now the sad animals are gone. Now there's children on this spaceship thing. But then in the middle, we just forget about the entire genocide of Earth 2 and like the fucking bat family and like Mm -hmm. counter Earth. Thank you. Like the fucking bat family, that poor dad whose car got station wagon got taken. Like the kid who got that kid got hit with a ball in the face by Drax and then their entire family died later. And they're literally never mentioned again, like an entire fucking genocide of a planet. And the guardians aren't even like, Oh, yeah, that shit was dark. That sucks. That shit was dark, man. Like a fucking, and then again, James Gunn takes us into this house of these bat people and you, you it pans oh over all the God. photos and you see them as kids There's so and like much. growing up and like, ah. <laughs> so like this movie, there was genocide, there was eugenics, there was animal cruelty. On a rewatch, like, we're some gonna doubly see how terrible it was. Big topics in here for a movie that everyone's expecting fun, silly, wrong. Yep. But yeah. again, I do feel like it it walked that line. I was entertained and horrified at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I talk about two characters really quickly? Okay. Adam Warlock. I thought I, I like uh, Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. Yeah. But I thought his character wasn't fleshed out at all in this movie. And he just kind of felt like a shoe in here. Zoner Bryce thought he was there as a punching bag and, and uh, comedic relief. He's glad they didn't kill him. Yeah. No, because he's got like, and the thing is too, Adam Warlock really could have been introduced during the Infinity Saga because like he yeah. and Thanos go toe to toe a lot in the comics. Yeah. Um, so it felt like he was kind of introduced a little bit late. Um, he is a very powered, almost overpowered character. So the mm-hmm. way they dealt with that and which it completely makes sense now, Will Poulter's casting in this uh, the way they dealt with that, saying that he's like he's basically like four days old, right? He's a baby, oh, right. and sure, he doesn't have any sense. That's why he's so dumb. Yeah. Um, 
I thought that was pretty good, and then that leaves room for him to to kind of grow in the future because we're definitely going to be seeing him a lot more uh, oh, in yeah? the future. I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah, I just think yeah. that he could have been introduced in a bigger, better way than this. Well, but as to Brian's point, I do enjoy it when, you know, overpowered characters are kind of, I mean, there's, he was well, still used. Well, they have used. to do that for all their overpowered characters. I know. It's like you just mm-hmm. knock them down by making them kind of more comic relief. But he also served his purpose. He got the plot going, you know, and he. He's device. Yeah, absolutely. And and he was mm-hmm. extremely powerful and he was a bit of a intimidating antagonist for some of the movie, but also fun. And he got, he do, he got a dog at the end, right? He got the little alien dog. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other character I want to talk about was uh, Batista's character there. Oh, Drax? I thought Drax. he was X? delightful. Oh, good. Absolutely delightful, yeah. and it's too bad that he hates playing this character because <laughs> sure. he was he was a true star in this movie again. And James Gunn knows how to write that character, and he plays More it dimension in in that character than we've seen for his entire time. Well, it's funny because I thought I was not going to like this this character because of the way they've made him as just the comic relief now. Oh, he just says and does the stupid things yeah. like his invisible scene in Infinity War that really didn't <laughs> serve much of any purpose than other than it. to become a meme. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but then I really like how they went back to his origins because like yeah in the first one he was trying to get revenge for the murder of his wife and and daughter Mm -hmm. and to really pull on that like he's a father this is his role now you know he's going to be raising these kids i thought that was great Mm -hmm. i thought yeah it was it was well written Mm -hmm. and i was relieved that i liked him (laughs) do you know what else i thought was kind of a neat thing in hindsight was it was kind of a stroke of genius to kill groot in the first movie uh, because mm-hmm. I think we would be so sick to death of Groot by now if he d- didn't start over again. If he was the same thing the whole way through, yeah. If we didn't get to watch him grow up again, yeah, super fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like this, this Groot didn't really do that much, uh, you know. And but he was sweet when he did things. Like Groot's always cool. He's pretty useful. But yeah, he's like very the useful. Yeah, the guns and- totally. But how yeah, much hiding more? Hiding the guns part was so cool. That was amazing. Was I loved cool. that. That was a cool scene. Yeah, but also, how in the beginning did he like pretty much everything but his head? So it's just, is he a zombie? Is like you have to shoot him in the head to kill him? Like, yeah, it's like, yeah no kidding. He's quite movie. regenerative. Yeah, he was just, he and I'm like, fast. but OG Groot died when he blew up. But anyway, whatever. I fucking um, loved <laughs> Kaiju mode. Where he's oh, like, go kaiju yeah. mode. And he goes, but he's like all lanky. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And then he's really like sticking good. the tongue out. And <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, two things. Um, the sorry. end with. No, nope, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Chris. I was going to say the end with Groot. Um, That's what I was going to say. At first, I hated it. So at the oh, end. Oh, I loved it. I, I knew right away says, what they were doing. Yeah, I, I, it took me a minute. And then I was like, okay, if this is their intention, then I like this. So, I mean, we're in spoilers. Hopefully, you've seen the movie. But if you haven't, basically, you hear Groot say, I love you guys, love which you is guys. the first time that Groot sounds like Vin Diesel. Yes, exactly <laughs> true. Like, yep. He literally just had to add the word family in there. And it yeah. like, you're my family. I wish it said you're my family. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I love it like because a- right away they show that none of the Guardians reacted. So it's no. it's like he he basically yeah. said I am Groot, I am, exactly. but we as the audience understand him now. All this was was yeah. us understanding and hearing it exactly as they always have. 
Wow. Yeah. Which it took me a minute to get it. And once I got it, I was like, okay. Cause at first I had a real visceral, I was like, I don't like yeah. this. Like, no, I don't want Groot to suddenly be able to talk. And then I was like, oh no, wait, this is, we're part of the family. So we can understand yeah. what he's I saying. I had a split second moment that was very much like your reaction. But when they cut to everybody else, not reacting. Yeah. Then yeah. I, you get it. And they seeded it as well with Gamora understanding Gamora. him at the end. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, I yeah, thought that they did was it with James Gunn. That was very well written, mm-hmm. even though it took me a minute and maybe some people didn't get it right away, but like very well written and kind of cool. That made me a tiny bit sure. misty. Gamora yeah. has yeah. that great line where she goes, You guys are just making up what he's saying, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think I laughed. <laughs> I laughed really hard when she said that. Yeah. So, yeah, they were building towards that moment. I wonder now if so from here on out, if they show the Guardians again, like this, this new iteration of the team. And you see, you basically see like the comic version of the character, the Groot character that shows up at the end, all giant and stuff is called King King Groot. Oh, Um, King Groot. Yeah. So like he's basically the like a huge version of a tree, right? Like I'm wondering if they're going to make him talk. From here on out, because I, would it be weird to now all of a sudden at the end of our Guardians, you understand him saying, I love you guys. And then he goes back to saying, I am Groot. Yeah, no, I agree. I think as you put it, that's how it should be. We should be able to understand him from here on in if there is any more. And I think I don't want that. I, yeah, I don't think we're seeing these people again. No, I, I tend to think that too. Yeah, I think. I mean, we could. We, of course we, like, we could. Star Lord yeah, will yeah. return. Why it Star, Star Lord? The legendary Star Lord. I know. Yeah. Will it return. said Star Wars Lord will return. And I, yeah. that's that's exactly it. I think they put him on Earth at the end of the movie and said he will return for very specific reasons. The rest, oh, you know what? Movies, they have said the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. And, it, and these are James Gunn's in- characters too. Like he's done. He's moving on to the DCU. So the rest of the Guardians are done, I feel like. Like in a really <laughs> real way, they're putting their foot down about that, except for with Star-Lord. In prior MCU movies, all of those slates were black with white text. This was That's right, the first too. one this that was, was a white slate. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What does it mean? What do you think that means? Well, yeah. it, I th- well, it could be it could be just that like the guardians are are done, but uh Chris Pratt's still there. Yeah. Um <laughs> I just think it would be such a shame because you have a moment with Bradley Cooper really shining yes. as Rocket oh, Raccoon yeah. and him actually coming oh, God, through his yeah. own calling himself Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. He could fucking des- he he deserves an Oscar nomination for the uh, for the voice acting and not just for a category of voice acting but for fucking acting like yeah. he sold Rocket Raccoon and so it'd be such a waste to not see him again I think like he's such a great character in the MCU that I yeah. just really want to see him show up again and, and, yeah it was you know. a bummer to have him kind of almost sidelined through the beginning of this movie yeah. and mm. like the flashbacks being a real bummer mm. um, because I wanted more Rocket I realized mm. how much I really enjoy that character and Bradley Cooper's performance um, so yeah I hope we see Rocket again oh my god he's he's always been the best part of these movies and like <laughs> I love like come on you guys the first movie where he wants the guy's arm and then it's just because yeah. he wants the yeah. arm <laughs> and all through the Infinity War movies as well like he's so good and it's because you know it's like it's a great super fun character little raccoon 
who's a psycho and shoots all these guns <laughs> and is also a super genius. Uh, best friends with a tree. Terrific. And it's like what makes these movies so extra ridiculous is that character, but so extra good as well. And yeah, Bradley Cooper does, you're right, deserve a lot of praise because his performance throughout yeah. this series has been so top notch. Though let's not also forget that Sean Gunn does the body doubling for him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Okay. Uh, um, speaking to more characters we didn't talk about, um, Cosmo and um, James Gunn, Sean Gunn, Sean, Sean. the other Sean Gunn's character. Craig, Craiglin. Um, Craiglin, yeah. thank you. Um, I thought I was going to be so annoyed with Cosmo because like Cosmo just fucking shows up and I'm like, I don't want this extra character. And I loved how they kind of just sidelined them to take care of nowhere. And then they came back. They weren't on the adventure with the core guardians. It was a good, but evolution. they were still fun. Yeah. yeah I liked it. I, I mean, even though we all saw the good dog thing coming from a mile away, oh my God. fucking loved it. <laughs> great, 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 great. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a lot of depth for Maria Bakalova to act in, but, um, it was uh, appropriate for the character. The totally. Character. And yeah. so neat to have her doing that too. And, oh man, I wish I didn't fall asleep in that stupid ass Christmas special because that's where they <laughs> set up that this dog has psychic powers. I didn't know that. Yeah. Telekinetic powers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I fell asleep. It's Christmas time for crying out loud. Uh, thank you to James Gunn for putting in uh, Michael Rosenbaum as well in this. It's only a fleeting moment. He's one of the what, what's Michael the Rooker? Who? No, Michael Rosenbaum. No, Rosenbaum. He's yeah. the, the the silvery face guy. Yes, Johnny face. noticed him too. Paul. Oh, uh, sorry. Or, yes. Yeah. Nice, yeah right. Johnny. Nice. So he's been begging his buddy James Gunn to get him in one of these films forever. And I, I also noticed in the opening credits that he was going to be in it. So I kept looking for him. I'm like, oh, there he is. He's nice. one of the Ravagers. Or whatever they're called. But. A lot of James Gunn friends and family there. Of course, I was like when his wife shows up, it's like, oh, of course, yeah. she's in it. James yeah. Gunn's wife was in this. Yeah, she's the security person uh, in the this the planet, the skin type planet. No, wait, Brian, isn't she the receptionist a little bit or receptionist person? Yeah, the one with the microphone. And, and then, isn't it weird that James oh. Gunn before her used to be married to Jenna Fisher, who played the receptionist on The Office? Oh. Does he oh, have a fetish Weird. of some kind, yeah. perhaps? Apparently Pete Davidson was wait. there, too. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Um, wait, but she wasn't like the alien receptionist. She was no. the like, human one? She was okay. the human one. Yeah, that's his wife. Okay. Ah, fun. Um, um, also, um, super weird that the voice of um, Lila was... Fucking yeah, it's Haw- Mrs. Hawkeye. <laughs> Mrs. Hawkeye? Oh, that's right, too. <laughs> yeah. Linda yeah. Cardellini? Really? Yeah. 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 From Freaks and Geeks. Wow. Yeah, Linda Cardellini Linda was the Cardellini. voice. Um, which is weird, because isn't that the third character she's played in an MCU movie? Really? Is it? Oh, wow. I think so. Did she play Mrs. Hawkeye? Right. Yeah, Mrs. Hawkeye, Lila. I, hope I who's swear there's one? one more. Does she do a voice? Like the voice? Maybe she does a voice for somebody else. The voice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll find it. But I swear there was another one that she was in when I was like, the fuck? Wow. Linda Cardellini. Oh, interesting. Anyway. Yeah. Anything um, else for Guardians of the Galaxy? There was a couple more, but I don't know. Like they showed there's like. so many cameos. Yeah. Yeah, oh God, yeah. all these cameos, the the characters, all like the little kind of bits from the comics, like the the little girl joining the team. 
Um, yeah. She her name is Phyla Vell. And so obviously they, they show the kid version of her. And uh, she's pretty powerful in the comics. Uh, probably one of like and which is cool i think they put her there even though she's just a little kid but they put her there because they wanted to uh james gunn probably wanted at one point every single person that was a guardian of the galaxy in a guardian of the galaxy movie you know like Mm. from the comic Mm -hmm. yeah so Mm. phyla vell was one like was one of the other members of the guardians of the galaxy and i i didn't think that they were actually going to put her in there and oh i see till it turns out she's one of the girls on the little hamster wheel thingy um but uh yeah she has like the same same kind of powers as um you know like black panther's suit you know absorbs those like kinetic energy and then redistributes them yeah she has those kind of powers Right, Wicked. she's uh, she was supposed to like in the I think in the comics she's like the um, daughter of Marvel. Oh, oh, um, oh! Right. But like in in the comics, Marvel was a, a dude, right? Like right. The, the original Wait, Captain does Marvel. Marvel have two kids. Maybe I think so. Maybe. Okay. But but yeah, so that's kind of cool that they they added her to the team. So. Who knows? Maybe the team does show up again because they they got to deal with. So I and I was also happy that they didn't i i started looking at the um, uh high evolutionary suit and like the way he has like these powers to like push you away and and like mess with you kind of telekinetically or whatever mm-hmm. and i thought they were gonna make him a kang variant oh really oh yeah and i was like oh you know that what i'm not gonna my mind that crossed I was like, my mind i started thinking though i'm Can not gonna like it if they if they did you oh, really um, you wouldn't like it no, not really. It, it just see, it would seem way too shoehorny. Like, they already made this guy not from Earth, which is technically uh, not part of his comic. They changed that comic origin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the guy was supposed to be from Earth. Um, but uh, but they made him an alien that's visited Earth once. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I liked him as his own thing. Uh well, it would have yeah. it would have worked though if if they really didn't go all in on this being the Kang phase. Mm. Fair, you know what Fair. I mean. And they've and they've built this variant thing in now that you can have infinite versions of this same villain, but just different with different yeah. motivations, doing different things. Um, you know, could have been Jonathan Majors over again. Yeah. Just in this incarnation, this is his way he does things this is his operandi uh that he's the high evolutionary which would have been mm-hmm. interesting but i know it's like the now at this point it's like the less jonathan majors the better well yeah and then it's like it does feel like because you're trying to wrap up the guardians of the galaxy it just kind of would have felt like they're trying to do too much then like oh now they're going to try to shoehorn it into the greater mcu which right. is like I, there are other mm-hmm. ways they could do that right like they managed to make it all work with infinity war and stuff mm-hmm. um but he was great. I also my reaction to to none of them dying to like sort of me uh, being wrong as to who was going to die. Mm. I was very happy with being wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I uh, I started I was, thinking it's like, "Oh, wow, none of them died." That's you know, probably like a lot one of, of the reasons I didn't dislike this movie like I thought I was going to because I thought at least mm-hmm. two characters were gone. Oh, I mm-hmm. thought we were watching Star-Lord die like when he goes out yeah. into space. I thought, like, "Oh, dead. Okay, great. That's fine. That's a nice way for him to die. That's fine." Actually, it was a terrible nice. way. Yeah, it was all his face yeah. all. Yeah. Well, that, that was also my question, though. Isn't he, like, part God? Yeah. So how yeah. did he die? 
That's probably why he survived. Because if he wasn't, he would have fucking died. Mm. He would have just flat out exploded. Yeah, when they (laughs) did the face thing, that's when I realized, oh, no, hang on a second. They're going to find a way to save him. Because otherwise, that would be way (laughs) too dark and gruesome for you, for us to to show us that. Well, those med packs are kind of a like what we were calling deus ex machina yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put like Star an ice Trek pack over you and hit a button and it's like oh i'm good all better no more heart attack for me yeah <laughs> i know well then anything else for the pod no kirsten james where can we find you on the internet <laughs> kirsten dot james is on the internet that's great at kirsten dot james paul at paul plus you know brian uh the zone.fm slash dj boitano art at Art Aronson, I just want to say the only time I did feel like a fucking loser sitting in there oh, at yeah. the uh, theater yeah. was at the end waiting for the after credit <laughs> scenes while those, uh, you know, the the workers at the theater are waiting yeah. for you to leave. And I they're know. just looking up at you and I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs by myself. That's when I felt like a fucking loser. <laughs> yeah. Also, come on, guys. It's a Marvel movie. Everybody knows there's yeah. after credit everybody scenes. Everybody knows there's going yeah. to be two. So you, you should have like acted like more of like a fucking loser and everybody that, that stood up and be like, you amateurs! It's going to be a thing. <laughs> That's it. Thanks. Twitch.tv slash webmeisterbud. This has been the Zones Geek Up Podcast, episode 239. Thank you so much for listening. Bye! The Geek Out Podcast is a production of The Zone at 91.3. The views expressed here are not necessarily those of this radio station. And really, some of those views are pretty stupid. I mean, come on. For more on-demand audio from The Zone, visit thezone.fm slash podcast or the on-demand tab of our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a zoner.